Hey everyone, it's me, Ben. Uh, I'm so excited to bring to you guys this next batch of writers' panels. Um, I was approached by Fast Company magazine uh, a few months ago uh, because part of their 100 most creative people in business is focusing on television. Uh, they finally recognize that it's been a banner couple of years for creative folks in television. Um, and so they, they were kind enough to include me on the list. Please check out number 83. Yeah, number 83. Um, and then they sent me out to do their dirty work uh, by interviewing uh, the other people on the list. So I, I had great conversations with people whom we had met before, folks like Liz Merriweather and Vince Gilligan, uh, and some new people as well, uh, the showrunners of Key and Peele, um, the uh, Callie Curry who created Nashville, uh, a bunch of others. So, you know, these, these next uh, six or so panels will be all related to Fast Company. You can check out the magazine uh, next week. It will be on the stands, but you can see the articles digitally right now if you go to Fast Company's website, fastcompany.com, and click on the 100 most creative people in business. And then there's like a little subsection, number 77 through 83, which are all the TV people. Uh, and it's really cool. Um, Fast Company has been a pleasure to work with, and we're hoping to continue the relationship with them. Um, part of that is that we're going to do, if you are in L.A., we're going to do a, uh, a big panel featuring a lot of the people on this list, including Liz and Vince and some folks who are not on this list but should be, uh, just for want of space. Uh, Carlton Cuse will be there. Greg Daniels will be there. Uh, some other surprises in store. This is on June 4th at Largo at the Coronet, and it benefits 826LA entirely. Um, so please come out and join us for this big panel with all of these fantastic showrunners and show creators. Uh, it's going to be really cool. June 4th, Largo at the Coronet. Uh, to get tickets, visit largo-la.com. Um, and for more information, I'll, I'll be announcing more guests even in the next couple weeks. Follow me on Twitter at Ben Blacker, uh, or go like the Nerdist Writers panel on Facebook. Um, I, I update it all the time so you can see what's coming up. Um, and finally, there's another live panel. Uh, one, we're just doing one in May. Uh, but come see the creator of Gravity Falls and the creator of the regular show, uh, and maybe a couple of more people. Uh, that's next Sunday. Uh, no, it's this Sunday, May 19th. Uh, it should be really cool. It's at Meltdown. Uh, visit the Meltdown uh, website or, you know, any of the stuff I've mentioned already. Anyway, enjoy this interview with Liz Merriweather, Brett Baer, and Dave Finkel, who are all the showrunners of The New Girl, which, you know, is a show I love. So it, it was a fun conversation. It was great to catch up with Liz, and uh, Dave and Brett are, are fantastic. I hope you guys learned a lot. I certainly did. And please enjoy this next, ba next batch of... Uh, of panels that we did for Fast Company. Uh, I, I really did. Thanks. Now entering Nerdist.com It's the Nerdist Writers Panel on the Nerdist Podcast Channel. Ben Blacker talking writing with writers. Writers talking writing can get pretty exciting. The talk can be lightning. It's very, very frightening. Ben Blacker talking writing with writers. Yeah. Let's uh, let's jump in here, um, Liz. When we last met, uh, there had been like 
four episodes of the show uh, yeah. had aired. I was like and... a lot happier and skinnier. <laughs> <laughs> that was 45 episodes yeah, ago. Like, not accurate. Like, full of energy. <laughs> no, we were still, still uh, an ounce of wonder in you. Yeah, I still had That's wonder. True. Uh, there was no, a lot of swearing, crushed. also. I swore a lot. Swore a lot. She yeah. still does. It's I actually worse than half. half a count the rings. <laughs> uh, but what you what you said to us after the, uh, in that first interview was you had no idea what you were doing. That's true. And thank God these guys were there. Yeah. Um, but tell me how this past year and a half has been. <laughs> she regrets that now. <laughs> tell me how the past year and a half has been. What have you learned? What have you... Uh... Shockingly little. No. Um... <laughs> No, I uh, I would still stand by that pretty strongly. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, I this job is really humbling. It's like it's a, it's great. It's a great job, but it definitely like challenges you in a new way every day. In in like you know things where you didn't even think you would have to be dealing with like you know. Uh, Badger problems, <laughs> like um, like we have a badger in the finale, and it's just like I don't know, you know, like these it's things come stuff, up, right. and you're like, I don't like, how have I ever like? Do you why have am a conversation about badgers? <laughs> is lazy, but just like you know, <laughs> it's sort of like it's so, it's so many episodes, it's so much time, it's so mm-hmm. much work. It really just like pushes you to the brink of like what you can do and 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 it's good because you're forced to get better you're forced to like be a better person and be a better leader and be a better writer but that's not easy so it's um, <laughs> so. uh well let's let's talk about that leadership for a second i mean the, the three of you guys really share this show obviously with the writers um but you are the Not leaders really. of it. <laughs> they say you. They keep trying to steal it away from us. And we're, wel- we're welcoming it. We don't <laughs> willingly share it with them. Which we're giving it away, yeah. really. They won't take it. Um, tell me about how the room works. What's the dynamic? Well, who's, you know, whose voices are heard? Uh, how are they heard? Uh, just kind of walk me through It's a, a shifting thing, season. but I think w- what we found that works in, the last, in this last sort of, I don't know, four months, three months is a very typical sitcom thing, but but we break a story with the room, you know, we split into two rooms, we break a story with the room, and um, you know, we break it, break an outline. There's usually like some sort of a hook of an idea that we that we all sort of just sort of start circling and then, you know, we talk, start talking around the room and extrapolating, extrapolating to the point where it feels like there's a, there's a kernel of an idea there, and then we start breaking the story down. Mm-hmm. Once we send the writer out, and I'm fast-forwarding, we send the writer out, and almost immediately, once the writer comes back with the script, we put it on the screen in a very small room and start just going line by line and figuring out, like, what's missing? What can we do to shore up? This story works best when there's, like, a really high comedy concept coupled with a really high emotional concept. It feels like the marriage of those two things mm-hmm. when, when they're, sure. you know... When our show just sort clear. of like doesn't work. With, our stories never work unless there's like something emotionally like going on underneath yeah. the comedy. And we've tried many times to have it not just be a lark. to just be like mm-hmm. a lark, and it, it never the stories never quite click into place. And the, and so we, you know, the writer goes off and writes a draft, and then. But um, the thing we found, I think, recently we've been talking about is that it the scripts work best and the show works best when it's sort of the kind of cumulative input of a lot Everyone. of different voices yeah. and sometimes the drafts feel like they're missing something we realize oh it's missing a little bit of this writer or that writer a little bit of what Liz does or what Dave and I do and, and well, what, um, what are those things can you get specific on that 
Yeah, I mean, we have writers who have a specific bent. We have one writer who clearly has Schmidt's voice better than anybody, <laughs> and we sort of rely on him to be the uh, sort of arbiter of like what might come out of his <laughs> giant head. Um, I think that um, Liz Liz has an incredible ability to sort of blend really big, high comedy and broad comedy with real emotional stuff. I, I think so. What we're always, I think when Liz reads the script and what she's weighing in on usually is saying, this needs to be funnier. We need to find a, a more of a game in this scene, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is something we talk about a lot. Is like if a scene feels flat or straight, it's like, what's the game of the scene? Like, how, how do we turn this into something that's special and unique into itself? If it's a two-hander between Nick and Jess. You know, what is the unique thing in this version of this scene that we haven't seen yet? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also this sort of like real truth and emotional truth. And I think that our, our goal is to try and connect with the characters on a level that is more organic and real than you might see on your typical sitcom. Mm-hmm. That's what we try to do anyway. Um, and I think Dave and I have learned, uh, I think, Liz's voice well enough that I that what we'll try to do is take a piece of material that comes in from a writer and move it closer to where she we'll try to find that game or we'll try to like maybe dig a little deeper into the emotional core of stuff than the writer maybe went in the first draft um, that's sort of I think the way they that have a, like an amazing kind of ability to you know structure a script clean it up and also they have this like amazing comedic voice with um a lot of this, the games that they're talking about is like adding a lot of like physicality to the mm-hmm. to the scenes. It's so funny that I think you know just is so crucial for the show and for TV in general is like giving the actors kind of like physical comedy to do and like big funny like visual yeah. jokes and like I mean it, I I Brett and Dave I, I always like bring things alive. I think like I'll read a script and I'll just be like you know. This is like the outline lined up on the page, kind mm-hmm. of sometimes, and then like Brett and Dave can really bring it alive. We have found recently, though, in this kind of great thing because I I didn't trust it at first coming from theater and 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 writing a movie was like this the group writing mm-hmm. I I was very afraid of for you know most of the first season and then half of this year and then we <laughs> I'm kind of just like literally January third yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I did want to talk about but, that because you and, talked about yeah. sitting in a room alone and making this thing and so. and this year we really kind of started like we would get the draft in and then we we used to sort of like sit on the draft for a long time because we just were so behind and then try to like catch up and do our passes on it and now we're kind of doing like group rewrites Hmm. that feel actually like really that feel good if if it's not like the whole room if it's a small group of writers then there's like a like I think we can really kind of get into a groove and get more things done and have it be like sort of funnier like right off the yeah. bat, which has been the, like really good. It makes some sense that it might have taken us like a season and a half to get to that point because I think in a weird way we were sort of indoctrinating everybody to the voice of the show or to Liz's voice. Because sure. I think the, one of the nice things about working on a show like this is when the creator's voice is so strong that everybody kind of knows what is and what isn't and, and that's how you kind of hopefully avoid that sort of like middle washed out kind of area that sitcoms tend to kind of fall into. I mean, I think it, when we miss on this show, at least we're swinging big. And I think we know that we've taken a shot and taken a chance, and sometimes we hit, and sometimes we kind of feel like, oh, we could have done that differently or better. But at least we're not boring and we're not flattening out in the middle. Mm-hmm. And when you work on a lot of sitcoms like Dave and I have done, 
if the creator's voice isn't strong and you get that group think going, then you end up with banal, middle of the road sure. garbage. And I think it took us some time, I think, to go, this is the show, not this. This is what we want to do. These are the rules of our show and how we're going to try and go about being bold and brave and take some risks. And I, we've gotten to a point now where we can start to look, group right together and it's not flattening out because we're challenging ourselves. To get to the and we're still calibrating in a big way. I mean, I think we're, we're, we, we are always trying to push our own limitations and see like what's okay we've done this big of an episode emotionally or physically or comedically what's the next iteration what's the next like how can we find a new wrinkle in this because like you know a standard sitcom romantic you know this this is a very standard Mm -hmm. idea of like you know these people falling in love and and living with each other and all these people living with each other it's like how okay we hooked them up in episode 15 how do we bust that how do we find a new you know kernel in it and 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 it's it's a really tough challenge because it's all been done so really trying to find out what's the new nuance here or what's the new level here and then what's okay so we found this emotional kernel here how do we make it how do we push the boundaries of that Mm -hmm. and you know it's not a conscious thing i think it's more of just like i think we're all sort of perfectionists and are failing at our our own perfection so just like constantly trying to like all right let's one up ourselves let's try i don't know i don't know let's throw shit against the wall i did want to say sorry i'm sorry to interrupt i do want to say about like my voice i feel like there's something about you know i think that idea of like the creator's voice like like holding on to that really tightly is actually can be really debilitating for the show and i felt like we starting the group writing really enlivened it for me again Mm. because I felt like you know you just feel uh, when you feel like more people are kind of involved in the in the sort of creating of the the creation of the episodes the writing of the episodes I think it actually gets really exciting and there's something about like um protecting your voice or whatever that can get really um uh, it's like anti-creative. It's like, you know what I mean? Sure. It's like sort of it's like keeping other tight, people. Like, yeah, yeah the, the keeping other Especially people. Especially if you're doing 49 out, or Yeah, and the, yeah. <laughs> it would be fine for a play or a movie, but it just mm-hmm. doesn't work for TV. And I think like that was a really exciting moment for me mm-hmm. when I think we had like the the, the our episode parking spot mm-hmm. that uh, we that was the first episode we sort of like they sort of group wrote and I didn't have that much to do with it and I thought it was like I think still think it's like one of our funniest episodes this year and it was instead of me feeling like oh I wish I'd had more of my hands on that it was actually this like amazing like victory of like <laughs> I didn't have to like really do anything with it and it was like this really like great episode sure. that was really fun I think we all had the moment at the table and... read because Liz hadn't been there and had been busy with other stuff mm-hmm. at the table read going like is this gonna work I don't know if this is gonna work because we hadn't done a ton of room writing and sure. it was like it was an odd experiment but like yeah, and it's a standard thing. Like, room writing is a very standard... That's right. a real... I mean, you like... guys come from this, right? You've oh, yeah, we're, we're hats. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and I mean, and, uh, I think it's it's it, it, it's good for a show as it gets into, like, the, the middle 50 episodes, and then, as I, I can only assume, not having gone to 100 episodes on a show, <laughs> although I've worked on shows that have done 100 episodes, mm-hmm. and you do get to those moments where it's like... Where else do we go? And the, the truth is you have 20 other voices working on the show or, you know, we have maybe 13 other writers and then you have the actors. And, like, really 
like in, investing in their voices and what they bring to the table can really open up. And I think that's what yeah. we had our first experience with on that That's episode. the real victory as a showrunner is not like the, the your ideas. It's mm-hmm. the, it's the when you have finally broken through with a group of people with what you you want the show to be and they're like giving <laughs> you that is like it. it it was it really like was the best moment for me of just like somehow like this show has like gotten through yeah. and we've like we know it's kind of taken flight really, out of its own a little yeah, bit yeah it's super long answer to um, your one question <laughs> no tell me about uh mining those other voices you know what what kind of stuff you know when you're looking for either these big funny moments yeah. or these big emotional moments uh is it people mining their lives is it yeah, a lot what, of that. what can we do to the character our writers are like sort of virginia mountains that you like blow the top off <laughs> and then when we're done with them at the end of the season they're just like what are those like pools like, we abandon God, them they're like right. goth pools with like sludge, sludge yeah. pools and they don't have like wildlife going on them anymore um yeah I mean we're very I, we do put a lot of emphasis on real life stories almost to a fault <laughs> we'll just like fall in love with a real story One idea, and then yeah. just like try to make it work so hard because we love give, it give so much give me an example uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's a bunch of them let's just say that well uh, the episode there last night actually came from uh, yeah, a real story episode. one of our writers had um, David Iverson his uh, fiance his wife. at the time his, yeah his wife now mm-hmm. uh, it was just a girlfriend they'd just been dating for like a month and he ended up going to Florida and having to facilitate this entire funeral when he didn't know the family and they hated him and etc and, and, and it was an Elvis funeral right and, it was so, like, wow. and he had to like defend against the family trying to steal the chain off the body yeah. I mean it was just a it lot was of like the, this, like, yeah. Great, yeah so yeah we did stuff. we took that story and then we're trying to like um, get the Nick and Jess relationship and uh, it was a story we had very early in um, the season that we thought was actually going to happen uh, that it might be the moment when Jess and Nick first kiss, mm-hmm. which is a whole other issue. Like, as we've discovered that as television seems to be moving faster and audiences become fickle a little mm-hmm. bit more quickly than they used to, that we've been sort of jumping ahead and going like, oh, they should kiss now. Mm-hmm. They should do this now. And um, yeah, People aren't as patient as they used to be. Yeah. Yeah. But we definitely, it, we definitely ask the writers to talk about their real lives because that's an important part of our show, just feeling like the reality of it, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, um, you know, the, I think that we can... We then sometimes, like, go kind of to crazier places with stuff. Um, but... I think the best episodes that we make are sort of like real stories, like simple stories, like told in a like true way. Mm-hmm. Um, and our writers are all kind of amazingly good at both comedy and, you know, emotion. Like, they, I mean, they some of them very begrudgingly, but um, <laughs> there is like a sense in the room that like we're not we don't just do like a joke for the joke's sake mm-hmm. or we don't just do like a joke story for the you know like that there has to be kind of some emotional um, underpinning arc mm-hmm. there that like you know makes sense for the characters like, the writerly jokes been, don't feel real yeah mm-hmm. the, we, and we love them you always like you're in the writer's room and you fall in love with that written joke that's like perfect and then you take it to the stage and you just it just like dies in your mouth like telling the sure. actor to say it and like 
so that's been you know like you're you're that's always like sort of the struggle is like what's actually funny on stage versus like crafting like the perfect joke yeah. you know there's this weird handoff this like sort of symbiotic ownership between the writers room and the actors too where it's like it's not it's never this show is never done being written all the way through the post experience like i think we we're st- we constantly struggle to try and find truth and reality all the way through the post process, like literally yeah. to the last seconds of, of post. And we have actors who, like, for better or for worse, have like really high bullshit detectors, <laughs> and they like, and it's not that they're like saying that; it's just that they actually just like can't make the thing sure. work unless it feels true to them. Yeah. And and, it has to be and so yeah, and and so we do kind of on the stage really like our writing really gets kind of like put up to the. Test. What I do yeah. notice is a, like a really uh, highly crafted verbal <laughs> joke that isn't going to work for an actor. If we bring it to say Jake Johnson, say you want to try this line, he'll look at it and go, "It's like a lot of words." And then he'll say, <laughs> "He'll go, well, what if I just go like, come on?" And like, just a, he'll take the idea of the joke and be able to act it with like one sort of blurt of emotion that gets all the same comedy value out of the idea of what that joke was kind yeah. of getting at. And he didn't have to do a, a big West written reference. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which we're want to do, um, or Bellman development, depending. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which you could do. It, yes. I think a lot of people underestimate the, the that collaboration, mm. uh, not just with the actors, but you know, directors and all across the line. Uh, so you guys are basically running this small corporation. Uh, tell me a little it. bit about you know really the mechanics of that, the nuts and bolts of it. It's heavy duty shit I mean like you're running an organization ultimately of about 200 people if not more everybody's got personalities and needs and desires and wants and you're talking about big money and every episode is a multi-million dollar endeavor and people's jobs are always on the line so like we'll oftentimes in the room go like well we don't need anything we just throw throw a flat up we'll just shoot this on one wall but that's a set designer's livelihood and he's like this is my work, this is my art. So he's going to go like, well, okay, but... And then the money comes involved. and um, It's never and, that easy. And it's an exhausting process where people are putting out their sort of like their inner, you know, emotions and psychology. And, mm-hmm. and the actors are always out there on a high wire, kind of in front of a crew full of people and ultimately millions of people kind of going like, is this, how is this going to look? How am I going to come off? And the writers, uh, everyone has an ego about how they're doing. So it's a lot of, I think for me, it's the hardest job is trying to keep the organization always moving in the same direction when everybody has their own individual needs and um, trying to make sure everybody knows what the sort of the artistic goal is so that we're all moving in the same direction. Because mm-hmm. a bad set or a bad prop can ruin a scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a bad is, performance. is the writer... Uh, on hand for that pre-production stuff. Do you guys oversee that? How We're that usually work? one of us is usually on set for the whole week. One of us is almost always in the concept meetings, production meetings. Like we're we're, we're always there with the writer. Um, we do bring the writer into we, every step of the process. Our staff is like relatively very young and like mm-hmm. hadn't worked in a ton of. We didn't have a lot of like producers right. on mm-hmm. staff the first year, and like now everyone's like, of course, getting more and more used to the process. But because our show is about younger people, you know, I mean, I think we we ended up like the three of us ended up kind of having to like 
you know, produce a lot of stuff, but now people, the writers are getting more and more involved in their episodes. But it's not like a... I mean, I, I know that Modern Family has, like, all kind of, like, high-level yeah, producers. Right. <laughs> so, like, they each produce their own episode, but it was sort of a different situation because we had, like, a kind of unbelievably talented group of very, very low-level people the first, right. <laughs> first As year. writers. Like, yeah, yeah. And so, like, you know, you're kind of also teaching you know right you're teaching the writers yeah. about sort of like the voice of the show but also like producing the episode in the way that like you know will work and um we also play it fast and loose on stage so what's on the page we're not afraid to jettison mm-hmm. slash play with slash you know go buck wild with you know on its feet because the cast is so good with just sort of like understanding the kernel of what we need to get across and then like let's just open okay we've got this we've, we've locked in this version of the scene let's open it up and let's see where it goes mm-hmm. so having having people down there to be able to go like okay let's how are we going to get the cast to like bring it in in a place that like is still producible and, and yet <laughs> allowing them the freedom to play that it, takes some management it, it takes right. huge management and then you also you always have to have budget in the back of your head and you have to have time in the back of your like mm-hmm. It's a lot of hurdles. It's a lot of, yeah. and they're it's a lot we're doing twenty five of these. Anything good. Yeah, I mean, like, absolutely. That's what's hard. Is like, you know, um, it's 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 like for pe- for people like us who are want to, you know, are perfectionists. Like you said, there is this like con- there's like moments where you're just like, it's just not going to be like exactly what mm-hmm. you want it, and it, that those are the hard moments. But it also can be the liberating moments because you're like. Okay, it's not exactly what I had in my mind, but then there's this other thing this? that you know may mm-hmm. work, and I mean it's it's life, I guess. That's the but... humbling part. I mean, you really have to sort <laughs> of marry really... nothing, sure. yeah, because yeah. the thing you think is going to be magic generally isn't. And yeah, the surprise well, is precious, right? right. It yeah, ain't HBO. No. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I was saying we're doing 25 <laughs> of these. We've done 49 of these in two years. When Dave and I, Dave and I did a cable show before yeah. this, and over the course of three years, we did 36. And we've already done 49 of these things. And it feels like just yesterday we started on some level. And yeah. it feels like it was lifetimes ago. But it's, um, I, I, I think that's another hard thing is like learning like how to start delegating in areas where you feel like you can afford to delegate in areas where you kind of go like every time we delegate there, we, we, we regret it. So finding that balance is, a, I think, also a nice but challenge. I think the fact that nice. there's three of us is an incredible help. I don't know how people oh, who are singles do it. I yeah. just yeah, don't. I don't know it's how just do. chaos. They yeah. might be like more. They might just be better at it. They might be more talented. They, they, they might, might be. be more that's what it might we kind of, they delegate We more. sit around a lot. We sit around a lot and wish that we were more talented. <laughs> yeah, is, we that's do a lot of bitching. Like, it's part of the job. <laughs> we actually might get we, like, more work done. We've like looked at each other times and been like, man, it's like we're the worst kind of not talented because we can see the good. Like we can see what right. what would be really good, but we can't. We just can't get there. Can't get there. There's oh a God. giant moat between us it's and like good. A, it's like a nightmare where your feet are stuck in the mud. Yeah. Like, that's like a monster, but you can't run. Yeah. Ridiculous. We also spend an inordinate amount of time together. Like, we're far too comfortable with each other at sure, this point. you have to. No, you don't. <laughs> Any successful show I've heard of, it's... Yeah. You know, it becomes this marriage, and you have a gross three-headed marriage. Yeah. Please yeah. don't say that. <laughs> Please don't say that we're we're, we're, we're your healthiest relationship. <laughs> um, I talked to uh, Donick and uh, Max Winkler recently, yeah. who were talking a lot about how 
um, and maybe this was about the beginning of the season specifically, but yeah. how a lot of the story was found in editing. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is due in large part, I would imagine, to getting to the set and working with these actors. Yeah. And, uh, tell me a little bit about that. It's it's a little. I mean, I feel like there are comedies that survive and thrive that way yeah. and are really successful, which you guys are doing. And there are you know shows that have to be, you know. Blueprinted from the beginning. Right. Like I think Bad. it's like the personality of the people making it. I mean, a little bit. I feel like we, uh, none of us are very like precious people. Like mm-hmm. like Dave was saying, there's a there's a sense of like you know the only thing that matters is like what's happening on stage, not like the thing that you sort of craft mm-hmm. in the writers' room. I think you know we did that for a year in the first season. There's a kind of manic like wild west feeling to it that can be really fun i think middle of this year kind of got a little bit just felt like we'd kind of i i've been in them personally it felt like we sort of lost the script a little bit in all of the like kind of chaos of like improv and you know (laughs) stories and stuff and i think there i think in just sort of the second half of the year we really found a, a good balance. After I the think kiss. the 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 the, mm-hmm. the uh, trick is like the balance. I think is like putting enough emphasis on the script that it really does hold up on stage. You know the mm. the the story and the like um, and the joke like a couple like great jokes that can, can kind of get you through the scene if nothing else is happening. You know if there mm-hmm. are if there aren't any good improv jokes or whatever. But I think actually, like, putting some of the emphasis back on the script kind of helped us because we, like, I think we'd gotten so used to feeling like we would just fix it, Mm -hmm. we would do it on stage, we would do it in post, that, Mm -hmm. like, uh, you know, some of the attention to detail and, like, um, rigor was missing, and and that was a little bit, like, hard to kind of, it, it actually just, it just made all of our lives, like, a lot harder for sure. kind of no reason. Yeah. I think also we yeah. went into this season knowing that we had a little bit of an issue that we needed to kind of be aware of, which was that the Nick Just thing clearly at the end of last year was in place. Mm-hmm. We knew we couldn't rush to it. I don't think we we thought we would get to it even as soon as we did, which is... we It wasn't in the script originally that they would kiss when they did, and we were like, well, what are we doing? It's time to do it. we got to do this. Mm-hmm. So uh, well, let's, yeah. let's take a break on that for a second and kind of take it apart because, you know, as an audience member watching this, clearly the time was right. And it was right. beautifully shot. Like, the timing of it was perfect. The buildup was perfect. Um, how did you guys in the room, though, <laughs> get to this? How did you realize this it was, was a long time? process. I mean, you know, the, we it's like you, you mentioned Breaking Bad. I mean, it's like, it's not a drama. We don't have, like, you know, these arcs, you know, worked Massive out on states. our board. Yeah. I mean, we, like, we're, we're kind of just, like, trying to get from, like, episode to episode and, like, think of, like, story, you know, funny stories. And, like, I mean, we knew, of course, we, like, spent time in the beginning of the year to, like, talk about the big things with the season, but we just, we'd heard so many kind of, like, different opinions. You can get kind of turned around. I think we were just feeling like we didn't know if they should kiss. We felt like we might be, like, blowing the show or you know what I mean there's like a a lot of kind of like nervousness and then I I felt like I think we all felt it even though we probably weren't saying it there was like a sense of the story momentum was like just kind of dying there was like a limpness to the story because none of us were 14 yeah we just were feeling like we didn't know what that emotional kind of like 
through line for them was anymore whereas in the first season I think it was about like you know integrating Jess into the group of guys and mm-hmm. like her moving into the loft and, and discovering like, that dynamic yeah. between Nick and, and Jess and then the first yeah. half of the second season you're kind of in this thing of like okay so we can't really it's not about the premise anymore <laughs> you know what I mean like right. and like so is this just a show about like a group of friends there isn't really a there isn't like a push through that. Mm-hmm. Like there isn't an emotional push through a group of friends. It made the season was, very episodic, yeah. I think, like story to story to story. And there wasn't really this kind of driving through line, which I think has worked great for the show. And the second we got to that kiss again, it, we could literally feel it like dragging us to the end of the season in a way that was until they added really the twenty fifth episode. <laughs> and that sort of threw everything off a little bit. That's going to be a dream episode. We went yes. to the table read and. We like um, oh, no. No. Well, there's a kind of a, there's there is kind of a, like a flashback episode, but it's not funny. But, but like the, we went to the table read with that kiss episode, and they weren't kissing, but the like the initial conversation had been like maybe they should. And um, well, it was Schmidt originally. It was Schmidt and Jess, and and, and then I, you were saying it should be Nick and Jess. I was like, it should, should kiss. be Nick and Jess. And we were all <laughs> sort of like, really? Should no, we do the this? whole staff was like, absolutely not. We it can't feels do like this. A bigger move, yeah, yeah, and and um. And then I think, you know, I think we just, it was a lot of things kind of happening at once, and there was just, like, a like a sense of, like, you know what, like, I want to write that. I want to hmm. write this, like, story. Moment. I want to tell that moment. And it, it just it just felt like it was, like, there was a sort of gut, like, you know, this is uh, this is the right moment, and we want to, it, it felt right. And, and it was, like, a dam breaking. Yeah. When we were on set that night, when they actually kissed, I think all of us had the same reaction that people watching had, which was like, God, oh, my God, this is finally happening. I mean, it really felt like the timing was perfect. Their performances were, it was, like, this sort of synthesis of, like, so many perfect moments in it. And it just... I really like... You know, I love romantic comedies. I wrote a romantic comedy, and I felt like we kind of, I'd gotten away from that a little bit in the show. And like I, I um, was really I'm really happy to kind of be back there because I think there's a there's just so much comedy to me in relationships and like human Absolutely. kind of weird attempts at connection. And I, f- I felt like you know there's only so many kind of like stories I want to tell about a bathtub for example right. <laughs> like, you know what I mean like you just like get to this like but we had know, to spend the foot we had to spend a lot of time and you know and like building characters that were dimensional and flawed like inherently flawed so mm-hmm. that like I think this isn't going to go down easy for like it's not going to be like an easy road for them right. and I think that we had to spend 30 Five or how many episodes it is like getting building those sort of flaws into them so that when you get to that point it's not gonna nothing about it's clean and I think it feels like a real relationship in that way it's like if, if it means something to them then they'll work through those problems and either push each other to be better or, or it'll be a huge debacle and that's, and that's exciting hopefully save us from having a David and Maddie problem or mm-hmm. a Joe and Rhoda problem for those of you who are over 50 <laughs> no one with a digital <laughs> recorder knows who Joe and Rhoda is <laughs> I, I don't I don't know it's a deep cut it's a yeah. show called Rhoda Rhoda Mary Tyler Moore spinoff um, I mean you guys are, are smart enough to know that story is going to come out of you just made the your beginning first mistake. of a relationship <laughs> savvy enough well traveled sure. enough yeah. there you go um, to and, what? and you've seen enough TV to know that story is going to come out of this beginning of this relationship, yeah. this romantic relationship, uh, which is really smart. Let's talk for a second about um, the ensemble writing and plotting. Uh, and this was actually something the magazine wanted to talk about specifically. Is at a certain point, um, 
in the first season even, the show became less about Jess, or less about solely Jess, and more about the four, uh, the group of friends. Was this conscious? How did this... How did this evolve? How did the show evolve? You know, I, I when I created this show, had never thought of it as just like sort of a, a vehicle for this one character. Mm-hmm. That wasn't ever the idea of the show. The idea of the show was really about this group, and so um, you know, it did it did evolve that way. But I would say that like it was never kind of like mapped out mm-hmm. as like. Like uh, the Jess show, <laughs> it was, it was like, built into yeah, the it was like supposed show. to sort of be an ensemble show, and yeah. um, obviously, like Zoe, like I, I do think as much of an ensemble show that it has become, Zoe's like so much at the heart of it, and like the core sort of spirit of the show. And when we break stories that don't have her you know kind mm-hmm. of through them like through the driving, episodes like driving yeah. episode it, they don't feel kind of right so it it's like um that, that sort of counterbalanced by the fact that zoe herself will tell us like that and has since the beginning that the more ensemble like the show feels and the more that the guy's stories are a part of the show the better she thinks the show is so mm-hmm. she has been encouraging that while we every time we the balance gets off. We realize that the show doesn't really stand up if she's not at the core of it. Because I think she's doing two things. She's not only the star of the show and providing sort of the comic voice of the part of the show, but she's also in a weird way the audience's eyes for the other characters. So we see the guys sort of through her mm-hmm. point of view. I, I think personally, sure. a little we, bit. We met them with her. Yeah, right. right. Which allows them to be a little. I think bigger and a little more interesting in, in sort of their uniqueness that I think we definitely discovered with Nick like halfway through last season where I think there, he was supposed to be the anchor at some point and when we discovered that he didn't have to be the anchor that I think Zoe was talented enough to be able to pull off being sort of her own kind of funny character but also be sort of like the tent pole that the show then would revolve it allowed us to let Nick be a little weirder a little yeah. more broken and which has actually been one of the big developments I think that's made this show kind of grow yeah that's very and I really feel like Winston kind of like this season like has been so much fun to yeah. like you know write for I mean I, at the beginning of the season we were like we really need to kind of like uh, develop out. him and, mm-hmm. and I still think that we do have a lot of work to do but it's crazy because in the beginning of the season it was like, well, you know, kind of what what is the Winston story in this episode? And now for the finale, I was actually, I think I was like complaining when we were breaking the finale. I was like complaining to one of you guys or Jake or something and I was like, all the writers are talking about are like the Winston, like the Winston <laughs> wow. jokes. And I was yeah. like, I was like, we need to, we need to break the A story. And, like, and I, you know, and I think like that's been a good victory for us is just like, you know, feeling like we know comedically like what we're sort of doing with him which mm-hmm. is like really fun and I what, mean Max has always been kind of like that? A... I would love to hear about that I mean he's such a he's a, a great actor he really is yeah. and such a but the character is always such a wild card I think well I think we actually sort of embraced the wild card ele- yeah. element of him and that's really opened it up for us because in sort of like not quite knowing like what def- like mm-hmm. his definition as a character was mm-hmm. we were like let's try this let's try this let's try this and like it actually i think led to 
this kind of fun like a big palette like he he yeah. he can really go like ape shit crazy but he also has like the most sort of sensible emotionally mm-hmm. like connected stuff of I think of all his of his grounded guys. scenes are the, some of the most powerful yeah. stuff we've done. He's so good at that, and then but he's then, also really funny when he goes yeah. big. I feel like you got to see that just in last night's episode. Yeah, yeah. He had that great scene with Schmidt. Yeah, yeah. and he had this the ridiculous crime it scene. Ridiculous. Yeah. It's like a moron <laughs> crime. Yeah. I think some of that is us getting more just sort of accustomed to who Lamorne. Sure. Morris's. I mean, you know, he joined us last year and we'd already done the pilot, so it took us some time to fit. You know, we mm-hmm. had to kind of figure it out on our feet a little bit because of the situation. And as we got to know him better and go, like, oh, wow, look look at what he's able to play here. And, oh, look, mm-hmm. look what he just did over there. And in a weird way, it's kind of taken us that time to, like, incorporate those pieces into an actual kind mm-hmm. of full quilt that. I don't think we really had a handle on early on, or we, I think we had an idea of what we wanted we the character to be. And then stabbed at it a couple times, like in the finale with him being afraid of the dark and whatever, like like oddball stuff like that. That he's just he he's hilarious when he's got these sort of odd but real mm-hmm. you know reactions to things. Um, you know, periodically over the course of the season, I think we hit it, and then this season, I think we really sort of like figured figured out in a greater way sure. and relationships between the characters really like I, I know that for example like the Winston we were just saying yesterday night that the Winston Schmidt stories have been so much fun to write and so much fun to work on and the development of that relationship which was kind of caused by Jess and Nick having so much to do together has put these guys into like sort of their own little mini arc this season yeah. which has sure. been terrific um, likewise like seeing Jake Johnson and um and Max Greenfield do the college version of <laughs> Nick and Schmidt. It's like it's it's a whole own dynamic and it's Absolutely. a whole own show. <laughs> New girl babies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right. Every time, every time, like um, it just it kills me. Yeah. Let's talk about Schmidt for a second, and then I just have a couple of other kind of broader questions. Um, I I had this conversation with a writer who has been around for a while, and loves the show, loves New Girl so much, and it's like I've never seen Schmidt before. You know, you watch a lot of sitcoms and you've seen these characters or you've seen these tropes before. Tell me about writing this guy. Tell me about defining this guy. Uh, I mean, he was there from the beginning. Yeah, yeah but... was, I think Matt, I mean, so much of it, I don't know if you guys agree with this, but so much of it is like, you know, we, we saw a billion people for the, for that part. And something about Max, Max is a very intuitive, intelligent person. And it would have been very easy to make that guy a narcissist, mm-hmm. and that's it, and a dummy. I think that we found out, like, early, probably as early as the pilot, maybe, that, like, it seemed funny that he was actually pretty intelligent, a well-rounded person who just sort of got caught in his own, you know, in his own legend, and, like, building this backstory on top of him, like, that he used to be a fat guy, like, like broadening him out that way, there's something very real about that guy, and, and like... It, it seems endless the places that we can go with him because he is actually smart. He's, he's well read. He's well versed. He has a, a wide you know swath of uh, references that that are you know you need to be sort of aware of what's going on in the world to, to have that kind of. I will say though that when when Dave and I first read Liz's first draft of mm-hmm. this pilot before we came on board, Schmidt was very clear in the original draft. I think Nick was a little less clear of like what that what his character was and how he was distinguished from Schmidt, and that we need to do some work there. And Coach was his whole own thing, which ultimately ended up being nothing like right. what Damon did. 
But what what I remember feeling about the Schmidt thing when I read it was exactly what you just said, which is like, oh, I haven't seen this before. And I think it was specific to Liz's um, sort of uh, circle of, of friends. Mm-hmm. At, at, you know, generationally, she's you know ten years younger, mm-hmm. fifteen years younger than I am. Um, so I remember seeing that going like, oh, this well, is... say that one more time. Yeah, 15 years <laughs> younger than I am. I just didn't you know? want them to hear 10. <laughs> I, know, I apologize. Um, but, it is, but, but I remember feeling like she had put her finger on a very specific type that was not the 30-year-olds that I was, uh, you know, grew up with in the 90s, but very specifically this douchebag like there's no other way to put it these are these douchebags with the there was like the griffin on the on the jeans right. like there was all that, that yeah. make it in the pilot yeah, yeah there was like he was embroidered he had embroidered jeans yeah. <laughs> i felt i well, when i was writing the pilot i mean it did come from the sort of like i mean jersey shore i max mentioned that at the paley right. festival but it, it, there was like when i was writing it like there was like sort of that jersey shore like take your shirt off kind of thing but um it was like i feel like that mixed with like the emotional center that Max brought to mm-hmm. it, I think, and Jake kind of hasn't really um, encouraged us from day one to like cast the actor and then write to the actor. And in doing that, I think that's helped us with character development because instead of like instead of like fighting against contradictions, we've kind of embraced, you know. Um, we just embrace like the the contradictions. Sure. So it's like, just because he's uh, cares about clothes doesn't mean that he, you know, isn't well read. Or just because he's like a douchebag doesn't mean that he doesn't have like this emotional center that mm-hmm. like is real. You know. So I mean, I think that's kind of helped maybe make the character feel like he's new because it's like there's a lot of dimensions right. to him. Or, or then add on like, fact you know. onto it the fact that Max is Jewish. So right. So the character became made Jewish. that a big part. Yeah. Of, but that there's wasn't so originally. many contradictions in, in a guy like Schmidt. Sure. I mean, a guy who's like who is who looks like that and who dresses like that, but is so well versed in the Hobbit and the Talmud, like and all those and, and everything in between. There's it's, a big like David Foster Wallace. There's a big <laughs> there's, yeah. I think Max has like no idea. Not a clue. <laughs> he kept being like, "What is that?" And, and then also completely ignorant about like race and cultural sort of I like know. Uh, you know it's being. Um, I know. But he does have a slight like Malcolm Gladwell obsession. Like I think we've made a bunch of references to Malcolm. Like he's he's definitely, you know, he knows stuff. It's just a matter of how he's processing it. Well, it's and, all and very zeitgeisty. Yeah, exactly. Um, right. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, I would imagine every facet opens up a whole new story avenue. Too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he is. We've said this before, but he has Max has this like neediness that I think helps that character a lot because it's just sure. like it's all coming from this place of like he needs to like wants to be loved. He wants right. to be loved so badly that it's like kind of helps get through. I think it was the minute that we realized that there was a fatchment. Yeah, that, that, that really sort of helps. cracked it open that he had yeah. been this guy cracked it open wide and like we found a bunch of different new avenues my favorite joke it. is from last year when he's like it's something something is, it's on top of my Irish walking cape <laughs> right, right. <laughs> that's the character defining this guy has yeah. an Irish walking yeah. cape alright got it um, just briefly you mentioned um, you know finding uh, I, I guess finding finding the big funny in the episode um, and then finding the emotional balance. And again, I think that's absolutely what makes the show tick. Um, how do you walk the line? How do you keep yourself from going too far one way or the other? Editing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we cut out what doesn't work. Um, sure. 
you know, I think we're learning as we go. I mean, I think we could all cite episodes where we felt like we mm-hmm. went too far this way. We kind of go, let's not make that mistake again. Um, it's it's tough because like you're also in charge of the line, you know. <laughs> so it's like absolutely. you're in charge of defending the line, but also <laughs> then you're also moving the line when you want to move it. Right. So it's like, you know, I mean, it's just it's sort of our gut, it's our taste, yeah. it's our like, it's you know you fall in love with a joke so much that you're like, maybe you're like stretching or like, well, maybe that makes it, you know, right. like maybe that would work. Maybe that would work. And you know, like it's those moments where you're like, no, 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 it's just too far. Or like, you know, I mean, I, I think it's like that saying about pornography, like, you know, it when you see it, there's like a thing where like, once you kind of, once we, Get, you get to know the show so well it's a thing where like you're in editing and you're like that's it like that's the thing and, and everything else fe- kind of feels wrong it's like, a gut, it's like a gut reaction of, what like, we've sort of discovered I think is that we can go as far as we want to go and as broad and big as we want to go if the emotional core is true and honest and so like for example if we got away and I don't know that we did but if we got away with um, Elvis at the funeral last mm-hmm. night I think the the heart of what was going on in that episode for Jake kept it grounded, and then we were able to go as broad as we were with Zoe and the Elvis impersonation, and hopefully the audience. Like the Winston crying thing was so big, and there was like so like there, we shot so much sort of footage, and it's like very there it gets like so much crazier than that. But we actually in the first cut it was not that crazy; it was like much more grounded. Hmm. And I actually felt like we were missing some of the comedy there. Mm-hmm. You know, like that was the moment where I was like, let's let this be crazy and silly because, like, actually watching him cry, you know, is just mm-hmm. not, it's just, you know what I mean? That's not our show either. Like, yeah. our show is like, if you're going to cry, then you're, you know, sort of screaming, crying. Really you know what I mean? Well, you guys like, seem very aware of that. You know, I'm glad you think comedy. so. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, that too. But the, yeah, this is no, a com- it's like a the comedy. funeral, the yeah. cancer episode. Like these were right. like, funny episodes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, you don't you don't wallow. You don't tend to wallow. Like I no. said, it ain't HBO. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> um, before we wrap up, uh, what are you guys watching on TV? If anything, do you have any time to watch television? Uh, is there anything that like, the room is talking about? That I've been watching Scandal. Them? Yeah, like, crazy. Really? Yeah, yeah, like. Yeah, a lot. I find myself watching a lot of Shark Tank just because I don't want to get involved in any storytelling. But I I did actually... I like watching dramas. It's hard. I mean, I love a lot of the comedies that are on air. And, like, when when we're on hiatus, I'll watch, like, you know, like, I love Parks and Rec. I love The Office. All this stuff is just, like... When you're making comedy, it's hard to like watch comedy when you get home because you'll just like stress out. Like that's such a good episode. (laughs) Like, you know, why didn't we do that? Or like, man, like you know, it just makes you think of something else that you're doing at work. So Mm -hmm. I love like a good soapy drama (laughs) or a procedural. I'm catching up with Justified. I really oh Justified is great. I've been watching Justified like crazy. My DVD couldn't be more full. I think one of my my DVRs, I mean, is 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 full. It's to capacity because I've got so many shows that I, I want. Want to watch so hiatus will be spent with me not paying attention to my children and <laughs> I just poked my nose above water this weekend with my wife and watched the first two episodes of Girls which I hadn't seen up to this uh, point sure. so it was, it was good yeah. interesting <laughs> sort of like oh this is what's happening out there with people this is what the smart. kids are watching <laughs> right this is what Twitter's talking about <laughs> yeah, exactly. so finally, I, I should probably know he what's happening know in Twitter. television it's, it's, it's too bad <laughs> oh I'm sorry uh, thank you guys so right. much this thank you like so much here. good to see you uh, congrats again on the show yeah, thank you it's really good cool. to see you again yeah you too um, uh, and you guys should come do a proper panel sometime yeah that'd be great I'd love to have 
Now leaving Nerdist.com. Thank <laughs> you.